Good evening, and welcome to A Closer Look. I'm your host, Laurie Hackett, and we are back again tonight. On A Closer Look, we pause each month to talk about nonprofits. We meet with nonprofit leaders, we meet with volunteers from nonprofits, and we have the chance to learn about so many agencies across the Lehigh Valley. We get to spend time understanding what they do, and most importantly, how our community can get involved in them. We're excited about tonight's guest, so let's get started. Our first guest tonight is my friend, Jared Mast, the Executive Director of the Greater Easton Development Partnership. Welcome, Jared. Thanks for having me, Lori. Absolutely. Jared, just to get the conversation started, tell us more about what the mission is of the Greater Easton Development Partnership. So GDP's mission is to support uh, community and economic development in Easton, um, to make it a model, livable, a model of a livable community um, or a small city. And we are focused specifically on the city of Easton and its four neighborhoods, College Hill, downtown West Ward, and the south side of Easton. And Jared, what is it about GEDP and this collaborative with Easton that has made your organization so successful? I think we have really strong relationships across different sectors. So between the nonprofit sector, um, there's interagency collaborations with the YMCA, with the Kellen Foundation, with Community Bike Works. We have a very strong collaboration with the city of Easton and its mm-hmm. uh, its leadership. That's actually connected at a board level. You know, we have ex officio seats on our board, which means the mayor and a city council person are automatically on my board and help lead the organization with me and with other board members. We also work with key partners in the community. So from uh, Lafayette College on the town-gown relationship to our local health networks, you know, we, we try to be that model of a collaborative organization that in some cases does the work, in some cases brings people together, and in other cases um, just helps start a conversation between partners that needs to happen. And all of those partners you mentioned, also important. And mm-hmm. it's really a unique model, at least that we've, you know, we haven't seen another model like mm-hmm. it in the Lehigh Valley. And I know part of your vision is to really make you a national model. Yep. And you're certainly off to a great start about that. I know there are certain programs within mm-hmm. GEDP. Could you share some of those, talk a little bit more about Main Street or yep. the Ambassadors or Farmers Market? Yep. So the history of the organization goes back to um, I mentioned town gown relationship, but city leaders getting together with Lafayette College and looking at um, the community and, and what was working, what wasn't working. And they convened an economic development plan going back to 2006. This is actually soon after I graduated from Lafayette College. <laughs> um, so my experience there was a little bit different than what I think the college and the city were intending or hoping for. And a couple of programs were born of that economic development plan and also kind of laid the groundwork for GDP. Um, Main Street Organization was one of those programs with a single employee um, looking to support small business and marketing the city, but also engaging volunteers, maybe who didn't live in the downtown, but had an affinity for Easton and also wanted to give back to their community. Clean, safe, and hospitality was another kind of bullet point in that plan that needed to be addressed. There was disinvestment in Easton, especially in the downtown, and without kind of those primary conditions of a clean and safe community, felt like it was being held back. So with key partners, Lafayette College, uh, Lafayette Ambassador Bank, which is now Fulton Bank at the time, and EAILD, um, we launched the Easton Ambassadors Program, which is clean, safe, and hospitality services for uh, the downtown and now has moved into the West Ward. Um, And then the third piece of that was looking at the assets that bring people to Easton. So the State Theater had already kind of come back and, and relaunched around its core programming of Off-Broadway and other programming. And Crayola, as a kind of 
homegrown, but national brand was another mm-hmm. organization that we were looking at working with. And the first version of the Crayola experience was brought to downtown Easton and GDP in the city and uh, the redevelopment authority of the city worked to bring that um, in its first instantiation, which was Two Rivers Landing. So it was a combination of the Canal Museum, Crayola, and some other assets within that building that's now the Crayola experience. So you talked about some great partners there, Lafayette mm-hmm. College, the State Theater, Crayola. I know small business is mm-hmm. really so much at the heart of Easton's success as yep. well. Could you talk a little bit about the small business involvement? Yeah, so I think the Main Street program was key in bringing together different leaders from small business. We've kind of developed different cohorts at this point, but at the beginning mm-hmm. it was a small mix of retailers, restaurateurs, and service businesses all working together on a shared vision of bringing people to downtown Easton and supporting their businesses. You know, I think there was common thought that um, those small businesses, if they work together, would be a, a bigger aggregate draw for Easton and in doing so would, would help their bottom line and help their businesses and bring more jobs to Easton. I think different programs kind of launched around that, you know, downtown map and guide to kind of guide people mm-hmm. to each of the businesses in the downtown. We eventually launched a downtown gift card program so that folks could give the gift of downtown Easton. Some marketing initiatives that weren't about marketing individual businesses, but the kind of the mix of shops and restaurants that Easton had to offer. And then alongside that, different collaborations developed, spring into Easton. We've we've done some bridal events because there's a cohort of businesses that support uh, the wedding industry. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of our food festivals, you know, first and foremost, we try to involve our restaurants and highlight what you can experience in Easton the other 364 days of the year. Um, you know, Bacon Fest and Heritage Day and Garlic Fest is not an event that we run, but it's another example of a food festival that brings folks to Easton. Great. So much happening. I know I've attended many of those things that mm-hmm. you just mentioned. Farmer's Market. We yeah. have to talk about yeah. it. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? It's year-round, and it's also, I believe, the longest-running open-air market in the country. Correct. Is that correct? Yes. So historic market, I think folks put that in the category with Easton Main Street Initiative and Easton Ambassadors is what helped bring folks back to Easton and bring mm-hmm. energy back to Easton and investment to Easton. Um, It is the longest running um, outdoor farmer's market in the country. It had gotten down to just a few vendors. And with Lynn Pryor, who was eventually at Buy Fresh by Local, which is a regional organization, um, and eventually our current employee, Megan McBride. Mm -hmm. um, Who's awesome, by the way. Megan McBride is awesome. Shout out to Megan McBride. Um, And her role has grown over the years. But it started as a, a volunteer with the Main Street organization as assistant manager then of Main Street and then as a farmer's market manager and now as a manager of what we call market district, which is the uh, Easton farmer's market and now the Westward market and also the Easton public market. But to answer your question, the Easton farmer's market is an awesome offering of local farmers, local producers, local libations. We've, mm-hmm. we've added that recently of local producers of, of adult beverages, um, <laughs> which is a lot of fun. They rotate through during the season. We're experiencing some construction in Easton right now. So we recently, and it actually was tied to the pandemic, we we moved to Larry Holmes Drive um, to have a little bit more space, but it's a great public space. The farmer's market has been able to spread its wings a little bit, and we've been able to use the waterfront parks um, on a weekly okay. basis, which is a great asset of Easton. Easton experienced urban renewal like other cities in the Lehigh Valley and across the country. But we, we gained access to our waterfront, which was one kind of benefit alongside some of the, the loss of buildings and loss of culture institutions that happened in urban rural. And the farmer's market, just to make sure that our listeners understand, it's Saturday mornings. Is that correct? Correct. Year round. So 
10 to 1. Um, we do take a brief hiatus in December. Um, December 17th is our last market day. And then we hold a winter market, which is a little bit different. We bring back some, some of our farmers who are able to do season extending techniques for, for greens and what have you, our uh, Breakaway Farms, which still has uh, meat to offer and other vendors. And that's actually hosted on the 300 block of Northampton in front of the right. Easton Public Market for uh, January through the end of April. And then we kick off the full season of the outdoor market in May down on down on the riverfront again. Right. So much happening. Jared, you as the leader, let's talk a little bit okay. about that. Is there someone that you've learned from? You are such a successful director of this entire program. I mean, we all know it throughout the Valley. I've seen you lead in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Who is your mentor? Who is someone that you look up to that you learned so much of what you know? So my first experience in you know the real world and business was in um, California. Actually, I moved out to California after graduating from Lafayette College in 2004. And I had a really smart group of leaders that that were able to not just mentor, but give freedom and responsibility to to grow as a young professional. Mm-hmm. Um, they had grown a business previously, sold it. They were starting a similar business, so they kind of knew the arc of the business, but didn't mean they had to control every aspect of what I was doing. They knew that I was motivated, that I had different soft skills I could write, and yeah. was, was, had decent quantitative skills as well, and so kind of worked to push me towards what I would call a well-rounded generalist, which I think is a, an important I would say is a, a, an important trait or skill set set of skills for a nonprofit leader to be able to to work with people, connect with people, understand the finances and math, but also be able to write well, and then also have passion for whatever you're mm-hmm. working on. So they allowed me to find kind of passions within the work we were doing, and then I would say in kind of the the second stint of my professional development here, you know, after going to grad school. I've had a good mix of board members who have helped me um, grow and have challenged me, mm-hmm. who have called me out on missteps. I think that's an important role of a board, especially for you know an organization that that at the time had a younger executive director. I I was in an interim role, I think, in my early 30s. I'm in my early 40s now, so you know I've had an executive committee that is you know committed to my growth and the organization's mm-hmm. growth, and I feel like that's important um, for a board to understand that. You don't hire someone that's kind of fully baked or fully done growing and that the board can also help mentor. So have corporate leaders that have helped me, new board members, you know, from large private corporations, public corporations, government leaders. And also, like I said, the executive committee of GDP over the years has been really supportive as well. And you know what else I'll add uh, to that? You're open to learning and to the feedback. Mm -hmm. And I know I've seen that and it's, it's fantastic. Jared, how can the community get involved with GEDP. And of course, we know that Bacon Fest is coming up. Mm -hmm. So how can our community get involved? We have a lot of volunteer opportunities throughout the year. GDP is is not an organization that has a dedicated volunteer manager. So we have different organizations kind of coordinated. We have different programs coordinating volunteers Mm -hmm. um, for each of of their work. Um, So with the Easton Farmers Market, you know Emily, a new staff member, Emily Rowland, it would be the point of contact for the Farmers Market. Emily at EastonPartnership.org for downtown events. Kim Kimetz, our, our manager of the Easton Main Street Initiative, is the point of contact, which would be Kim at EastonPartnership.org. And then for our Westward Community Initiative, Tanya Ruiz is is the manager of that and is organizing volunteers both for community events like the Westward Market, but other community cleanup days and things in the Westward. And what about Bacon Fest? And Bacon Fest is actually run by our board chair, um, Ed Shaughnessy, who has the 
privilege of a GDP email address as well, which is ed at eastonpartnership.org. That's great. And Bacon Fest is coming up this weekend. And I know it's a great opportunity. Two days of music, food, bacon. And a celebration of Easton. I think, you know, why Bacon Fest has become so successful is because it has the backdrop of the city. It also has the restaurants playing along with Mm -hmm. us. You know, some of the most successful food vendors and and vendors at the event are downtown businesses. We approach it a little differently where we're, it is a fundraiser for GDP, but we also want the businesses to succeed alongside the organization that's putting it on as a fundraiser. Great. Well, Jared, unfortunately, we're at the end of our time. Anything else we didn't get a chance to talk about that you'd like to share with our listeners about GEDP or Easton? I would just like to tout Easton's inclusiveness and its ability to embrace new people and new organizations and new ideas. Um, It's a small enough city where you do see folks out on the street on a regular basis it's not a place that you can really be anonymous if that's if that's desirable. But <laughs> that's what you're looking for. <laughs> but um, it does have, I think, a cheers effect, which is I mean, like everybody doesn't know everyone's name, but you know, it is a place where it's where it's easy to connect and reconnect and feel like you're making a difference in a community and not getting lost in a shuffle between neighborhoods and um, organizations and and within a bureaucratic process. Great. Well, thanks for your time today. And again, listeners, we were joined by Jared Mast, Executive Director of the Greater Easton Development Partnership. Thanks for joining us for this episode of A Closer Look, and we'll be right back. Thank you, Lorraine. If you are a Golden Age folky and love the music of Woody Guthrie, Bob Dylan, Judy Collins, Joan Baez, and the Kingston Trio, WDIY is the place to be on Monday nights. From 7 to 9 p.m. on Folk Classics, all of that great music from the late 1940s to the late 60s will fill the airwaves, and we will welcome your ideas about the artists and songs you'd like to hear. Folk Classics, Mondays from 7 to 9 p.m. right here on WDIY. Thank you to the members of WDIY for making all of our programming possible. Becoming a member is the best way to support your listening and to ensure we'll be here for the next person in our community to discover. The many choices and real voices you hear every day would not be here without your support. Make your membership gift today by calling 610-694-8100 or at WDIY.org. Welcome back to A Closer Look. I'm Laurie Hackett, and we're excited about our second guest tonight, also a good friend of ours and a wonderful community leader. Listeners, please join me in welcoming Dr. Rajika Reed. Raj is Vice President of Community Health at St. Luke's, and she's also an active community volunteer and serves as a board member with the Hispanic Center Lehigh Valley. Welcome, Raj. Thanks, Laurie. It's good to be here. In our first segment today, we talked with Jared Mast, who's the executive director of the Greater Eastern Development Partnership. And now we're happy to spend time with you because you are a board member of volunteer role with Hispanic Center. Tell us a little bit more about your role. So the Hispanic Center, for those who don't know, the Hispanic Center actually started in 1968 in South Bethlehem, and it's a vibrant community and um, center as a result. And my role is a volunteer board member, and um, we just function. We've been working with the Hispanic Center. St. Luke's has been working with the Hispanic Center for almost a decade, but it's really a wonderful opportunity for me to get you know, a closer look at how the Hispanic Center runs and functions and be able to help on a different 
different level. So what are your responsibilities as a board member, Raj? Are you, do you volunteer to help serve breakfast at Hispanic Center? Do you just attend meetings? Tell us a little bit more about the role that you play as a board member. So we don't have drawn out roles as board members. Uh, we do, you know, try to um, work on some of the development aspects for mm-hmm. the Hispanic Center overall. And it's just a wonderful place to be. So I do end up at the Hispanic Center often enough um, that I'm able to take advantage of being able to immerse in the community and um, really work one-on-one with a lot of the folks there. And because you have a front row seat to the mission and purpose of Hispanic Center, what needs are they meeting in our community? So um, that's a great question because in community health at St. Luke's, we conduct community health needs assessments. Mm -hmm. And we see time and time again that, you know, one of our most vulnerable communities are Hispanic communities, especially in the south side of Bethlehem. And the Hispanic Center really meets that need. It meets the community where the community is, which is vital. You know, that's public health 101. You Mm -hmm. um, don't ask the community to come to you. You go to the community. Uh, so the commu- so the Hispanic Center is able to address a lot of the needs around workforce, a lot of the needs that seniors have in the community. There's a vibrant senior center there with just, it's amazing. If anybody has the opportunity, you can walk into the Hispanic Center when it's open, uh, and the seniors just make it such a warm and friendly place. There's also a food pantry. There is a women, infants, and children's office, or so WIC office. There are multiple services that the community can definitely benefit from. And you mentioned food pantry. Mm-hmm. And we know that there are so many people in our community who are food insecure. I think it's one out of six people in our community aren't sure where their next meal might mm-hmm. be coming from. Could you tell us a little bit more about how the Hispanic Center specifically helps to meet that need for providing food to those families in need? Sure. So the Hispanic Center is a food pantry uh, supported by Second Harvest. Over the COVID pandemic, you know, food security came up as a huge need during COVID. The Hispanic Center actually increased the population it served by 218%. Oh, my gosh. It was incredible, the amount of food that they um, went through. They also, for the seniors who participate in the Senior Center, uh, the Hispanic Center packed food boxes weekly, and the staff delivered it to the seniors, which was an incredible service Mm -hmm. again. So the, you know, the Hispanic Center also uh, works on culturally appropriate food, which is key because when you think about food security, you know, there are a couple things you want to have high quality fruits and vegetables, so healthy food, but you also want to have culturally friendly food. And that's a lot of where the Hispanic Center addresses. Thanks for sharing that. That's that's such an insightful point and so important. How did you decide, as a volunteer, you have a busy professional job, of course, with St. Luke's, uh, your family. How do you decide where to spend your time volunteering and why Hispanic Center? Because I know you're involved with other things as well, New Bethany, the Nonprofit Council, other things. How do you decide? I think, you know, understanding the needs in our community really helps decide where to put that effort because, It's not to say that, you know, I don't spend time working with other folks in the community, but where I sort of dig my um, 
my feet in the ground, is that the saying? Um, or in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> um, where I really end up spending more of my time is where the needs are most. And Raj, is there a story that you can share, maybe someone you've met or an experience that you had at the Hispanic Center that really impacted you? Sure. So I'm Sri Lankan. I was born in Sri Lanka and raised there for the early part of my uh, childhood. And then we mo- we visited a lot. So I grew up immersed in the culture. And I um, feel very strongly about the Hispanic community because I feel like there are so many similarities just in family values, how you treat seniors or elders. There's a lot of overlap between the two cultures, I feel. And um, the Hispanic Center is, you know, just the epitome of all of that. The Senior Center is amazing. There are just these really really thoughtful people. There are a couple seniors who are working on, they keep telling me that they're going to teach me Spanish, (laughs) which I'm super excited about because I need to learn Spanish. And then, you know, we do walk with the docks, for example, with the seniors on the Greenway in South Bethlehem. And we just get to talk and learn about each other and meet with folks. And it's just a great experience. And it grounds you as a person, too. And Raj, I know you're In your family, you have two college-age kids of your own. What are you seeing in that generation about their commitment to volunteerism? Any experiences there? I think that college-age kids are really excited about Mm -hmm. volunteering and, you know, are able to get to sort of the crux of what that culture and energy is without without thinking too hard about it because, you know, they're close to it. I do think that uh, if you raise children in that culture of volunteering and giving back to your community, it definitely comes a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. But even if you don't, I think it's just a wonderful opportunity to think outside of your little world and your box and and it helps people be more compassionate and just all around much better people. Raj, is there a person in your life that mentored you? There's not just one person. There have been a lot of people um, through my life who have mentored me and guided me, and I've been very fortunate. I feel like, you know, I'm not afraid to ask, Mm -hmm. and I feel like every time I've asked, people have always come to help and be my support. That is great. That's such great advice that sometimes you have to seek out. Maybe there's skill areas that you want to strengthen more. So you just have to reach out and ask. Now, are you doing that for others? Do you have mentees or younger professionals that you're supporting? I do, yes. But, you know, that's an interesting piece because I do think that that's where sometimes people need to start is Mm -hmm. um, learning how to ask for help or Mm -hmm. ask the questions and ask for the support. But it is really rewarding. I'm still, you know, I've been teaching for a number of years, too, just for fun. And, you know, I, co- I still have students who graduated over 10 years ago and or even almost 15 years ago who are still in touch with me and, and um, we connect frequently. So. so you're teaching at the university level as well? I do, yes. Oh. Wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> you know, I think I think you're exactly right. I think you have to ask. You also have to recognize what skills you have that are transferable to volunteering mm-hmm. or to your next step. When you think about your role as an executive at St. Luke's, are there specific skills that you can bring directly to your volunteer role? So, yes, because I think the culture at St. Luke's is very 
very open and sort of um, warm. It's a warm culture. And so, you know, that authenticity we have to bring to our work, that we bring to our work every day, we definitely bring to our community as well. Every month on this show, we talk about collaboration. Mm -hmm. Does the Hispanic Center, and in your role as a board member, collaborate with other organizations? What have you seen there? Yes, we, the Hispanic Center does a lot of collaborative mm-hmm. work. Uh, even the food pantry, for example, it couldn't run without the support. Air Products has been a wonderful supporter <laughs> of the food pantry and others in the community, too, and we really can't function. There's just, you know, there aren't that many staff. There's less than 10 staff at the Hispanic Center, and and last year they served 15,000 people. So we definitely rely on a lot of collaboration and partnerships. So it's not just a one-sided collaboration either. It's a true partnership. Right. I think that's another aspect that makes our community so special because Mm -hmm. we see that. Raj, how can people get involved? So um, the best way to get involved at the Hispanic Center is to go to the website. It's just www.hclv.org. And you can help run a food drive at wherever you're employed or where your community, wherever you want to. Um, you can also volunteer. We have a number of programs at the Hispanic Center, and um, they're all listed on the website. Or you can also make a donation. And do you have to speak Spanish to volunteer there? No, you don't. I don't speak Spanish, and I've actually run programs where I've had somebody stand next to me who does speak Spanish, and we've gone back and forth. And it's actually really fun because you're mm-hmm. sort of you realize you need to stop and say things more simply so that it can be translated and keep moving on. Great, so much opportunity to get involved. Yes, Raj. My last question: What would you say to someone who? is listening, who thinks, I'd like to get involved in a board. What advice would you have for somebody thinking about, this might be the opportunity for me now to step out into community and get involved? Um, I would recommend thinking about what your interests are and where your skills are. I think it's really helpful for boards when you can bring a tangible skill to the board. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the areas that, you know, you might be able to reach out to various individuals based on that. But there are a lot of nonprofits in the Lehigh Valley, so there's many, many opportunities to get involved. Um, it's really just being able to understand what you want to get involved in and where those needs are. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Again, listeners, we've been joined by Dr. Rajika Reed, who is Vice President of Community Health at St. Luke's University Health Network, but also, and what we talked about today, a very active board member of Hispanic Center Lehigh Valley. So Raj, thanks again for joining us for this month's episode of A Closer Look. Thank you, Lori. It was a pleasure. Thank you, listeners, for making time to join us today again for A Closer Look, where we had the chance to come together and learn about nonprofits in our community. We've been so lucky tonight because we spent time with Jared Mast of Greater Easton Development Partnership and also Rajika Reed of Hispanic Center Lehigh Valley. Remember, you can find past episodes of A Closer Look and other public affairs programming at WDIY.org and also on the WDIY app. Be sure and tune in next Monday for more WDIY public affairs programming, and we really look forward to seeing you next time on A Closer Look.